You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Crossover Wednesdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network brought to you in part by Breaking Tea. If you were looking for a last minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around team's passion moments great for all fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on, then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. I'm James Yarko, one of the hosts of Locked On Bucks, joined by the two fine gentlemen of Locked On Texans. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing good. Welcome, Bucks fans. I can't wait to talk some sports with you guys and just Jekyll and Hyde Winston over there. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman, along with my co-host. Cody Davis, it is Crossover Wednesdays, and we are the guys from Locked On Texans um, being being brought on by the guys from Locked On Bucks. And, um, you know, just I love Crossover Wednesdays because for the first – for the only time in a week we can finally just – Talk about a different team. Talk about a different quarterback, different receivers, you know, just doing different stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's always nice to get a feel for how how the people that cover these teams view these teams. Because, you know, for David and myself, we're always so surrounded with the Buccaneers. You know, we have we have our view of how we we look at the team. So it's always good to get an outsider perspective on how they view the Buccaneers, as well as being corrected on on maybe some misconceptions of how we view a team by somebody close to them. Yeah, and it's kind of like uh, preseason a little bit. You go through training camps and mini camps or whatever it is, and you, you you're playing your own guys. So throughout the week, you're talking to you. You have a co-host just like I do. We do over here. You're talking about your team. You're talking with the same person. You're getting tired of them. You're smelling their breath. But crossover Wednesdays is when it gets fun because you can kind of like go out and hit somebody else. If we was in the NFL, now just go out and talk to somebody else regarding their NFL team that they're covering here about other fans and what they feel about the teams. And 7-7 seven and seven Buccaneers team up. Down, up, way up, <laughs> down, way down. I mean, heaven, hell, it seems like. In two possessions, you can get the good, the bad, the ugly, and I call it the Jameis Winston. This season, Bruce Arians' first year with Jameis, you know, he's supposed to be able to fix a lot of things that Jameis does really bad and then magnify the things that Jameis does really good. 30 touchdowns, but 24 interceptions. How do you see the future of this team with Jameis moving forward into the next couple of seasons if he's there? That's my that's my question to start off the show. Uh, Jameis will be there. Jameis is not going anywhere. He's coming back. Um, it's it's funny to, to kind of look at how staggering some of these numbers are. And and. You know coaches like to go to bat for their guys, but we've seen plenty of cases uh, where Bruce Arians does not sugarcoat anything for any player. He'll call you right now, or he'll call you right out. He'll kick you off the team, and then you end up being claimed on waivers by the Texans. Hi, Vernon Hargraves. 
Um, <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> uh, and he's come out and he said, you know, about 10 of these interceptions are not on Jameis Winston. I don't know if I would count quite that many, but I've counted quite a few of these turnovers that were not really Jameis's fault. Now, you can also say on the flip side of that, he's had some receivers make some incredible plays or he's had some defenders drop some balls that they shouldn't have that probably should have resulted in turnovers. But what we have is a guy who is on the cusp of being the NFL triple crown winner for most passing yards, most passing touchdowns, and most interceptions, which is an interesting combination to have. Um, but you can see you can see more often than not that Jameis Winston's decision-making is better. Now, that doesn't always translate to the appropriate passing, but he doesn't panic like he used to. He is He's cut down on trying to force the ball into triple coverage. He'll pull the ball down and he'll run with it more often than he has in the past to the point that he was the team's leading rusher in a couple of games this season just because he would scramble instead of force a pass. So it takes a while to get used to a Bruce Arians offense. And we're seeing now that as the team has become more comfortable in both Bruce Arians offensive system and Todd Bowles defensive system, they've rattled off four straight <coughs> So you're you're seeing the growth here that they can truly build on for next year. Speaking of the four straight games that you guys won, um, you know, John said it best that it's been an up and down season for you guys, which this four game win streak has been by far the the top of the pinnacle for you guys this season. But how me and John, we talked about this on our show on on yesterday. We talked about how much of a factor, how how good the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has been on this four game win streak. I'm looking at it from a standpoint where every single one of the four teams that you guys beaten is not a playoff contending team. You take a look at the Falcons, the Jaguars, the Colts, the the Lions. The last time you guys um, lost was against probably the best team in the league in the New Orleans Saints. So, how confident are you in? the Buccaneers just based off this four game win streak. Do you think it's a fluke? Is this something that you guys can build off for the future? I wouldn't say that it's a fluke so much as this is what the Buccaneers have not been able to do in the past. They have not been able to go up against teams that they are supposed to beat and actually beat them. They would find a way to collapse and lose. And we saw the the makings of that. You saw the beginning of a collapse against the Jaguars. You saw the beginning of a collapse against the Lions. You saw them have to come back from, from trailing against the Colts. And these are games where in the past five years, the Bucks would have fallen apart, collapsed, and lost. They wouldn't have been able to maintain their leads. They wouldn't have been able to come from behind. That Colts game was the first time in 30 games when the Buccaneers had trailed by eight or more points at any point in the game, and they came back and won. They had lost 29 consecutive games where they had trailed by two scores at any point in the game, and they trailed by 10 twice and trailed by 14 and still managed to battle back and win. So what you're seeing now is you're seeing 
again, Jameis continuing to get a little bit more comfortable in the offense. Yes, he does have the the first possession turnover problem, but he's done that five times this season. Five times he's turned the ball over on a Buccaneers opening possession. They're four and one in those games. You're seeing a secondary now that is communicating, that is understanding, that is believing and trusting in one another. And they have not allowed a 300-yard passer since Vernon Hargraves left this team, and that includes a game against Drew Brees. So you're starting to see all the pieces really come together. It's unfortunate that it's at the end of the season and they're they're out of the playoff hunt because they are one of the hottest teams in football. They have one of the most electric offenses in football, which, which took some pretty severe hits uh, yes. over the past two weeks. But you're seeing what you need to see out of this team to have more confidence for the future than we've had in over a decade. Now the future is definitely bright. And I'm of the mindset that of course you you said it, you bring Jameis back, you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, who I think is a top three receiver in this league. I've also taken flack for that. I have DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, and I have Mike Evans at number three, simply because of what he can do with less targets, less catches. And the fact that when you play with Jameis Winston, there's so much of a roller coaster that a lot of times those passes are not going to be where you're at. And just kind of looking at the Saints with Mike Thomas, I have to bring this up. He catches the ball within seven yards of off the line. Mike Thomas, Mike Evans, on the other hand, 15 yards nearly is when the ball is getting to his area. So what he does with <clears throat> less targets is crazy. But simply, let's talk about the right now. We talked about the last four teams where you guys on a four-game winning streak, and this offense has looked like the most electrifying offense this entire season. But in those four games, yes, they're against non-playoff teams, but the Falcons are ranked 20th on defense. The Jaguars are ranked 24th on defense. The Colts, middle of the pack at 15, and then the Lions at 31, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin out going into Saturday's game. Who do you call on? Is it Brashard Pyramid? Can he give you a, a bounce back game of what he did Sunday? Will we see OJ Howard finally be a true factor now that there are other guys who can't get those catches? What will the Bucks do on the offense? Well, Jameis told both Cam Brate and OJ Howard to practice. Be ready. You guys are getting the ball. So I think you're going to see a lot of Cam Brate and, and OJ Howard involved in this game. Brashad Perryman. That was a guy the Buccaneers fans were calling for his head. They wanted him gone. They wanted him cut. They wanted that fourth-round compensatory pick that they could have gotten had the Buccaneers released him before the deadline. And since then, he's been the team's leading receiver three different times. The guy had two touchdowns last season. He had three on Sunday. He's really come on strong. But yeah, the Bucks wide receiving core is a mash unit. Uh, you're you're signing guys off the street. You're signing guys off the practice squad. It's an absolute mess. So you're going to have to rely on the three guys that have been out on the field all year long. And that's obviously Perryman, Howard, and Braid. You started to see a little bit with Justin Watson against the Indianapolis Colts. And really that, I mean, you, you had Ishmael Hyman get one reception against the Lions. Uh, it was a three-yard reception, but it was a first down on a scoring drive. So you, you did have him make an impact catch regardless of the yardage. But what, what you're going to see now is 
the distribution of the ball is going to be really, really interesting. Jameis Winston loses Chris Godwin in the second half of, of the game. He still completed passes to eight different receivers in that game. So you're talking no Mike Evans. You had Chris Godwin. Well, now he's gone, and you still managed to complete passes to seven other guys. So it's it's really impressive the way that that they move the ball around. And you saw the the attack plan with the Bucks against the Lions. You're missing your starting left tackle. There was a lot of quick passes, not a lot of long developing plays until they started to get a little bit of a rhythm. That's when they started taking their deep shots to to Perryman and Godwin and Scotty Miller. And, and I expect a lot of that again, I expect a lot of quick high percentage throws, just take little chunks at a time with the weapons that you do still have and not try to draw out these, these long, slow developing plays where you're trying to get 60 yards in in one chunk. The key is to basically dink and dunk the Texans absolutely to death. Most definitely. And we're going to be without a linebacker. McKinney will be out. He's in concussion protocol. Now, we do have the best tackling linebacker in the AFC, and uh, Cunningham, still happy to have him on, and Vernon Hargraves, which it worked out the best for both teams because, like you said, the moment Vernon was gone and he had a lot of issues with whether it was paying attention, staying focused, being locked in, giving it your all, whatever the case is, former first-round pick got cut, comes to Houston, now he's playing better, and I think in a better schematic defense for him and his abilities. But you guys have thrived off that, which has really helped you win these games because I do believe that he, if he was there, then those games would be a little bit different, right? It's just something about bad karma, bad juju with a player around. He was having bad juju with that defense. Well, your defense is now doing much better without him. What's been the biggest issue – I'm sorry. What's been the biggest change outside of him to help you guys go on this four-game win streak. Well, and, and I will say I'm really, really disappointed because one of the things that I was looking forward to most in this game was Chris Godwin lining up across from Vernon Hargraves in the slot. And <laughs> David and I had said on on Locked On Bucks numerous times, it, it sucks that you draft a nickel corner with a top 10 pick but that's what Vernon Hargraves is. And if you're going to maximize his abilities, he needs to be the slot corner and the bucks kept putting him on the outside and it just wasn't working. So, you know, having him, I've seen him play, uh, you know, inside for the Texans quite a bit. That's, that's going to be where he can, he can succeed. So uh, again, I, I think you put it, really well when you said it worked out best for both teams but when you take a look at at the changes of this bucks uh bucks defense you have a guy in jamel dean who has been able to now get on the field in the absence of vernon hargraves and in a very very short period of time he's become the team's leader in pass breakups he is playing absolutely out of his mind and it goes back to something that i talked about on our show uh, a week or so ago that this this group in the secondary, whether it's the corners or the safeties, they're all first and second year players. Your your veteran is Carlton Davis, who is in his second year. So you have these guys that worked together all through training camp, through rookie mini camp, through you know through 
all of the the OTAs and everything that started to develop this chemistry. And and with as much as you had Mike Edwards, the safety, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy bunting, as much as you had those guys working together all the time, ever since they were drafted, then you add Carlton Davis into the mix. There's a lot of trust there. There's a lot of understanding there. And there's a lot of the the communication breakdowns that we saw in the past. They aren't happening because these guys are all learning together. Whatever Hargrave's issue was in Tampa, that was his issue and it's gone now. And you've seen that improvement. There's You're not seeing the communication breakdowns. You're not seeing guys being out of position. You are seeing a group that has really, really turned a corner And the other thing to take a look at is that front seven is helping immensely. You have Devin White coming on like nobody's business. November's rookie defensive player of the month. You have Levante David, who's always going to be Levante David. He's going to do his job every single play of every single game. You don't have to worry about him. But you have a a Tata uh, Vita Vea and, and Indomitian Sue that have been able to collapse pockets all year long. You have the NFL sack leader and Shaq Barrett coming on. You have Jason Pierre-Paul who, who returned from his injury. He's getting pressure on the quarterback. It seems like everything is coming together all at the exact same time. And I know that the Bucks are going to work really, really hard to keep as much of this defense intact as humanly possible. Bruce Arians already said Shaq Barrett is going absolutely nowhere. Shaq Barrett will be a Buccaneer in 2020 and beyond. Now you got to work with Indomitian and Sue, who signed that one-year deal. you got to work with Jason Pierre-Paul, who restructured his contract so that he could become a free agent after this season and free up a little bit of money this year for the Bucs. You have to work with these guys to keep as much of this intact as possible because these guys are succeeding now. They're trusting one another, and they're building towards something that they all desperately want. And I think, I would say 99% of them want to be back in Tampa. I think everybody wants to be back in Tampa because after the last four games and how you can possibly end off this season, there's no telling what you can do next year. But we got to talk about the next team, which is us here in Houston, the Houston Texans, and what I believe, me and Cody believe, the Texans must do in order to beat this team because, let's face it, there this is not a trap team. This is not a trap game. This is a team that is playing some of the best football in the entire league, and they're closing out meaningful games for them. They're seeing who they are. They're figuring out their identity, and they're winning games. And Jameis, whether it's the bad, whether it's the good, whether it's the ugly, or whether it's the Winston, he's proven that he can continue to fight back. And I can't wait to talk about what the Texans must do against his Buccaneers team because we lose this game Saturday. The AFC South shakeup can get very crazy depending on what happens with Tennessee, the Saints, and just to end the year out. Welcome back in, Bucks fans, Texans fans, Florida fans, Texas fans. It doesn't matter. Welcome back to another Crossover Wednesday with Locked On Texans and the Locked On Buccaneers with my guy James. I'm sitting here, of course, with Cody Davis. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. And uh, thank you guys for telling me how late I am on Catching Up with Breaking Bad. I know it's a great show. I'm late. I'm behind. I'm locked in. I'm amazed right now. But what I am amazed is Jameis Winston, two games in a row, 450 yards, back-to-back games, plus, and then in those games, nine touchdowns. 
James, I gotta, I gotta, I wanna, I wanna say before I even move forward, the growth of Jameis this year in the last five or six games has been something that is kind of like an aha moment. Finally, you're getting it a little bit. But we have our own quarterback who in times he looks great, and then at times he's making rookie mistakes with Deshaun Watson. At one point, he was an MVP candidate, tailed off a lot during the year, had big games against the Pats, against the Chiefs, against the Falcons, but dropped some games like the, the, the Ravens, the Broncos game. And then now we're going to go up against the number 15-ranked defense in Tampa, Shaq Barrett, who we know is a stud this year. Like, I don't know what got into Shaq Bear. Maybe it was just playing time. Maybe he just got out of Denver in a bad situation. I'm not sure. But Shaq Barrett has turned his entire career around. And he's a very young career. So let me not say around. But he, he what he's doing this year is phenomenal. Get a, get a rid of VH3 has helped that defense. We know what Jason Pierre-Paul can do when he gets hot. We know what Indama can do and soon can do when he gets hot and he gets going. The front seven collectively with White has been balling. And we've we've dealing with our own issues with our offensive line. Is it going to be Chris Clark at right tackle? Is it going to be Roger Johnson? Now, moving forward, we know Johnson will solidify that right tackle because Howard is out. We know how great of a job Tunsil has been doing. Had his first game in a long time where he didn't have any penalties Sunday. This will be a great matchup, and it's a matchup I can see the Texans losing. What do you guys have to do to beat the Texans? Well, and and before we get into that, how far into Breaking Bad are you? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. I I threw it out there so you can ask. I am wrapping up season two now. I have like 30 minutes left. Oh, my goodness. And I've heard heard it gets much better and i hate his wife i hate scholar scholar yeah. white i I'm, yes. i hate her i hate you her. know what you know what's wild about that skylar we all hate her we all hate her but <sighs> she's the voice of reason and we are terrible people for hating her because we are rooting on and a person who has become an absolutely terrible human being who's who's out there making meth and his wife is the voice of reason, and we hate her for it. Ah, oh, it's such a great show. Season four of Breaking Bad is the best season of any show ever. Oh, gosh, so tell me that. I'm, I'm a huge Soprano fan, The Wire fan. Is it up there? I will, full disclosure, I have only seen the first season of The Sopranos. Oh, you're missing out. <laughs> you're I missing no longer, out. See, I, no I was going to say season five. Of the Sopranos in the first half of season, because they broke up season six in two seasons, basically. Some of the. Uh, I, I, is this a sports show? Are we talking about shows? What are we talking about? That, right that's now? what I'm waiting for. <laughs> what I'm, are we I'm doing sorry, right now? I want to get back to a locked over crossover because I, I, I watch none of these shows. I'm sorry. I, I had I had to ask because I love Breaking <laughs> Bad. And, you know, to you know, to to throw out the fact that we're talking not football, David and I. For the past four weeks, David Harrison, my my co-host, has never seen Star Wars movies. So he's going through the Star Wars saga, and we are reviewing the movies at the end of our Friday episodes. And since we started doing that, Bucks are 4-0. Just saying. We got another one this Friday. So apparently for the Bucks to beat the Texans, David and I just have to keep talking Star Wars on our Friday podcast. But yeah, um... 
look, the 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 Texans are a they're a, a polarizing team. Truly, they are. And and I look at them as they're they seem to be every bit as frustrating as the Buccaneers can be. Yes, one hundred percent. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. You 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 have a team that goes out there and they can beat the Patriots, they can beat the Chiefs, but then they're losing to the Broncos, they're losing to the Colts. You know, they're they're barely squeaking out victories against the Jaguars. So in order for the Buccaneers to beat the Texans, what they have to do is go out and play their game. Can they play their game without Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller and Jordan Whitehead and half of the roster that has lost their hamstrings, I don't know. But if the Buccaneers go out there and play their brand of football, there is no question in my mind they can beat the Houston Texans. Because well, to funny- me, it, it, it's it's not a problem with the Texans' offense. It seems like the offense, by and large, can be pretty reliable. It's the, the Jekyll and Hyde of the defensive performances that have done the Texans in now, am, am I off on that assessment? Cause this is what we talked about at the beginning that these, these perceptions that a lot of us have from the outside can be very different than the reality that you guys are seeing. No, you're not wrong. And the thing about it is I'm glad we mentioned breaking bad because as I talked about yesterday for both teams, actually it's going to be about breaking bad tendencies and habits for the Buccaneers. You go, if we play you guys, the breaking of the bad habits of just, early turnovers, costly turnovers. And then when we look at our beloved Houston, our, what are we at, 8 and 5, 9 and 5 right now, the breaking of bad habits of the inconsistency and playing down to your opponent. Now, in this case, I don't think the the Bucks or a team that we can just say, well, you played down to them because essentially look what they've been doing the last four games. So the, the breaking bad of, of Tennessee's is just, Deshaun Watson, you have to get that ball out. Like, the holding on to ball so long when you have Shaq Barrett on the other side, you have Pierre Paul on the other side, and Dominic Sue on the other side, uh, White on the other side, it's not going to work against those athletic beasts trying to stop you, right? And then the bad habits of the inconsistency with play calling or just everybody knows when you go to a game, we're about to run the ball on the very first play of the game. Because we know it. And the, the numbers show that every time we run the ball, we don't score that much in the first quarter. Right? That's a problem. And then breaking bad habits on defense tackles. We have to tackle. I don't care if it's Godwin who's not going to be out there, Mike Evans who's not going to be out there, but it's going to be Perriman, Bray, OJ Howard, you know, any guys you can find right now tackling and staying true to your coverage. So it's a lot of bad habits and tendencies that this Texans team has put the fans and everybody who has so much high expectations for this team throughout the entire year through ups and downs, just like Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. See, I, this game, I, I believe is a lot more evenly matched than a lot of people would think looking at it on paper, especially when, when we were talking about it a month ago, it's like, you know, the, the bucks need to rattle off all these wins in a row and, 
And this is how they're going to fight to get back in, into playoff contention. David and I did a whole episode on it, on what it would take the Buccaneers to make it into the playoffs. And we looked at that Texans game and said, this feels like the only game the Bucs really can lose if they play the way they're supposed to play. So let's talk about let's talk about how the Texans are going to attack this team a little bit, both from the offensive and defensive standpoints. Now, Hop is incredible. You know, as good as the Buccaneers' past defense has been, you know, they don't have a guy that, that's on this roster that can line up one-on-one with DeAndre Hopkins and shut him down. Where the pressure is going to come from for the Bucs' defense is it's going to have to be able to get after Deshaun Watson, get him off his spot, get him off his game, and and try to force him to look for the short dump-offs and the outlet passes and keep the ball out of DeAndre Hopkins' hands as much as possible. When you're when you're talking about this Texans offense and you're talking about having weapons other than Hopkins, you got you got Fuller out there, you got Duke Johnson, you have some of these other other pieces. Who do you look at as the guy that needs to step up and give Hopkins some help if they're going to get this victory on the road against the Bucs? That person, without a doubt, will be Will Fuller. And I'm mentioning Fuller because he is a guy I've been saying it all season long. When he is out there, he gives Deshaun Watson an extra receiver to pass it to. We all know how great Donjer Hopkins is, and we know that going into every single game, the game plan is going to be how do you control DeAndre Hopkins? How do you slow, if not the best, one of the top two receivers in the league down? When you have Will Fuller out there, he's such a playmaker to the point he opens up the offense so much. It just gives us, a, it just given an extra dynamic that you you have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Kenny Stills. Having Will Fuller out there makes a difference. The problem is with Will Fuller, we probably still don't know until the day of, he's always injured. Every time he go out there and be healthy, next thing you know, he he he's going to be out for the next couple of for the next couple of games um due to a hamstring injury or ankle inju- injury or a knee injury. This is a guy if he can stay healthy for a entire season, he can be one of the top I'm not going to say top 10, but top 15 receiver in this league. And if you don't believe me, look back at the game when he was 100% healthy. Look back at the game against the Atlanta Falcons when he caught, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but he had a career year. I want to say he caught for over 200 receiving yards, if I'm not mistaken. I know it was one of those remarkable games. Even before he went out with the knee injury last year, you take a look at the numbers and take a look how well he was playing those first eight games of the season. If I if I remember correctly, the Texans went on a eight, nine game winning streak. A huge portion of that was Will Fuller. When Will Fuller is out there, yes, you guys have one of the best pass defense in the league, but when when Fuller's out there, he's a playmaker, you guys are gonna have to basically pick your potion. Are we gonna focus too much on DeAndre Hopkins or are we gonna focus on on Will Fuller? And then we also have Kenny Stills that you guys have to keep an eye out on. But having Will Fuller, I like to call him the three-headed monster, he makes a huge difference for this offense. Absolutely. Yeah, and and to be honest, yeah, I hadn't heard Kenny Stills' name a whole lot this season, but that doesn't make mean that he's not a legitimate weapon or a legitimate threat for the Texans offense. I, I you know, it it always it always disappoints me when we see these 
these acquisitions that teams make right before the season or during the season, and the player just doesn't have enough time to get integrated into what the team is wanting to do. I mean, you're supposed to have a whole offseason where you're working on this stuff, you're learning things, you're learning the verbiage, you're doing all this stuff, and there just wasn't the time because Kenny Stills in that offense after a full offseason could be one of the most incredible things to watch, and hopefully – you know, he gets to stick around and and becomes another weapon for those Texans. But, you know, we've we've beat this this dead horse already. You know, no Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin. You take a look at a average to below average Buccaneers running game, but they can get the job done with their three headed monster of Ronald Jones, who's really come on strong this season when given the opportunity. You still have a reliable Peyton Barber back there. You have Dari Agumbawale, who is he's more so the the pass catching and the third down back. He's better at the blitz pickups on those third downs. But Rojo has has gotten a little bit of the the receiving running back thing going for him this year, far more than he did last year. And you take a look at this Houston run defense; it's allowing over 113 rushing yards per game. And and I know we we talk about how bad the Bucks' pass defense has been overall this season. They're still, you know, the the worst pass defense statistically in the NFL as far as yards allowed. The Texans only allow 10 fewer passing yards, but the big difference is the fact that they allow over 113 rushing yards, whereas Tampa is allowing 73 rush yards per game. How can the Texans you know, make sure that they're neutralizing the run game and not being taken advantage of, because I would be willing to bet the bucks are going to rely, you know, pretty they're They're already pretty reliant on the run, but they might lean on it a little bit more with these, with these running backs, given that Evans and Godwin are out. What do the Texans need to do to be able to stop this, this run game that they seem to be so porous defensively against? Well, let's say this. Cody mentioned that what Will Fuller does on the field and, you know, the numbers of with Watson with Fuller and without Fuller, tremendously night and day. The thing is, the Texans have a, a, a weapon that we can utilize to open up the playbook and open up the running game. And that's just a fear of not allowing Deshaun Watson to beat us with his legs. And that comes in with the RPO. We've seen the RPO with this Houston Texan team work pretty good this season, especially to get the tight ends involved early. But the thing is, when we look at what we can do on the ground, you have Carlos Hyde, finally, healthiest season he's had in his entire career. He rushes for 1,000 yards. We know how great of a runner and a very underrated runner Duke Johnson is. But collectively as a whole, we still have to account for Deshaun Watson and what he could do now. The first time you guys have ever played a real running team this year, well, you kicked it off with the 49ers. In that game, you held them to under under 98, I mean 100 yards, I'm sorry. Held them to 98 yards, did a phenomenal job with them, and we know how fantastic they are on the ground. So it will be challenging for us to keep that going. Now, up front, you have Pierre Paul, you have Sue. You have Shaq Bear. He's around everywhere. What can we do? Well, the only thing we can do is get creative with the ball. Get creative with the plays. Get some of these guys out in open space. I think it's going to be a collective unit to actually get that running game going. We may see some, <clears throat> excuse me, 
We may see a receiver come through and take it on the fly. We, we may see a lot of different things. But I do think Carlos Hyde would have a decent day, just enough to keep this offense open that a lot of passing game to really do his work. All right. And gentlemen, the last one that I have for you, you, you take a look at a Texans team right now, currently leading the division. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. The Titans can still catch the Texans, correct? With a win Saturday, with, with, with the Buccaneers win Saturday, the Titans win Saturday. That's not going to happen. Then, not happen. then against my beloved New Orleans Saints. So we get flack. We get flack on this all the time because of that. But uh, it's still a possibility that did, they can win this division. Did you just say your beloved New Orleans Saints? Yes, I've been waiting all show to say that because you, you guys are in our division. <laughs> Unbelievable! Imagine how I feel. It's okay. Oh. You you guys had y'all time in the early 2000s. It's okay. It's our time now. Oh, jeez. I don't know what's worse. This or the fact that I co-host a podcast with an Ohio State Buckeye fan. Like It has to be an Ohio State Buckeye it fan. It has to. Uh, I live in Ohio, worse. guys. I live in Ohio. And <laughs> I'm surrounded by Buckeye fans. And then David and I start working together. Turns out he's one too, but he's one of the good ones. There are a few good ones out there. He's not an obnoxious Buckeye fan. So at least I got that going for me. Yikes. Okay. So there's still a possibility now. The Titans get a win. The Buccaneers win. This week 17 matchup is going to determine the AFC South. What do the Texans absolutely have to do and, and put your your saints bias aside cody i don't want to hear it <laughs> okay let's say let's say in a, in a perfect world here because it'd be my perfect world the titans beat the saints what do the texans the number one thing that they have to do on saturday to ensure that week 17 is a meaningless game for them as far as the division is concerned uh, you pay these guys the big bucks for a reason. Our beloved quarterback, Deshaun Watson, has to play the best game he's played the entire season. Well, he has to play like he did against New Orleans. He has to play like he did against the Falcons. Getting the ball out in space, getting your offense in rhythm, getting them hot, beating the Bucks. That's as simple as possible. The Bucs are going to be a, a worthy adversary if I'm taking it, if I'm in like the dark night world of D.C. And, you know, <laughs> they're a worthy adversary. And that's okay. They're pros. You, you guys are grown men. You're pros. But it's always going to come down, for the most part, to your quarterback making the plays he is expected to make, making the throws he's expected to make. Now, on the flip side, one thing that the Texans defense has to do is help out their secondary. So that means Charles Oyemu. That means Jacob Martin, who, you know, the last three to four weeks, he's been having the, the best stretch of football he's been playing. Scarlett, who is healthy. DJ Reader. The, your front seven here in Houston, they have to help out their secondary. The secondary is not trustworthy enough 
to say, oh, well, we can, we'll be able to slow this. No, that's not the case. So on defense, the front seven has to help out the secondary. And on offense, your quarterback has to play phenomenal. Like we've seen him play before. All right, Cody, what do you, what do you think? What's your, what's your number one X factor for what the Texans have to accomplish in order to avoid a, uh, you know, win, win week 17, win the division type situation. My biggest takeaway all season has been, been the inconsistency of this team. They have to find a way to stay consistent. If they can play like the team that won in Tennessee last week, that won the primetime Sunday night game against the New England Patriots, they will be okay in the, in the season finale against the Tennessee Titans. But once again, I'm still not so they're going to go out in Tampa Bay and do something crazy. We're going to be looking at our phone saying, what the hell just happened? <laughs> because the inconsistency, I'm telling you, if it wasn't for injuries and, and the inconsistencies of this team, we, we will be right up there with the Baltimore Ravens, with the San Francisco 49ers, with the New Orleans Saints as primary contenders of the NFL. But because of those two reasons, maybe more so the inconsistencies versus the injuries, this whole entire season will be would have been completely different. All right. Well, before we uh, before we move on to wrap things up, also have to mention, of course, that today's episode is brought to us in part by Casper. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get one hundred dollars towards select mattresses by visiting Casper.com slash locked NFL and using locked NFL at checkout terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from locked on sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Gentlemen, real quick, cause I know we've run way, way over on time, but it's been a fun conversation, so I don't really mind it. <clears throat> what is, and Cody, we'll, we'll go back to you. Let's start with you. What is the key matchup? That you are looking for in this game. I don't, I don't, it's not really a matchup, but it's what I'm, I'm looking forward to. Um, because due to the fact that I've talked about Will Fuller, I'm just looking at the Texans wide receiver core playing against the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary because you guys have one of the best secondaries in the National Football League. It's the reason why you guys are a top 15 in defense and. It's it's going to come down between that matchup, so the, that's that's what I'm looking forward to to see because I've I, because we have the top receiver in the game, we have who who could be a top fifteen to twenty receiver in the game. Oh, and by the way, we still keep forgetting Kenny Stills is still out on the field. You have those three. I I cannot wait to see what's the, going to be the game plan heading into Saturday's games between our receiving core and your secondary. All righty, John. Looking forward to is just Watson versus versus Winston. Who who can out Jekyll each other and who can out hide each other? I think <laughs> I think I think that's the matchup because uh, uh, it's not like we haven't seen Watson have his moments. I just think there's no way in hell anybody can game plan for Jameis Winston because. 
can Jameis even game plan for Jameis? I've never seen a more exciting, but yet at the same time, confusing possession than I would ever watch if, it's, if I'm not watching the Jameis Winston play football. But the Jekyll and Hyde off between Watson and Winston, I think that's what it's going to come down to quarterback play. Can Winston find guys off the street and street clothes and make them into NFL guys constantly, household names, win a game without his top two targets? Can Watson go up against a defense that has Barrett, Pierre Paul, Sue, White, and learn from his mistakes that he's been making since his rookie year at times? That's the matchup I'm ready to see. And, guys, I definitely want to get you guys matched up with who? Blue Chew. Why Blue Chew? Because I'm a guy, you're a guy. We've all been there at times where you just need that extra confidence. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to a doctor's office or wait in line at a pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. Made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and best of all, there's no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. You're going to use that $5 on a Little Caesars pizza box. Go ahead and treat yourself. Get your Blue Chew with the special promo code Locked On. Uh, James, what are you looking for? You know, we talk about the the Winston versus Watson Jekyll and Hyde we've talked about the uh the Bucks secondary against the the Texans receivers we talked about the Bucks receivers not having hamstrings and, and missing this game and they're having to rely on on Steve the security guy to to suit up and play so what i'm looking for is i'm looking for Ronald Jones slash Peyton Barber against the Texans defense if the Buccaneers are going to steal this win which I think that's exactly what this would be. It would be them stealing a win in a game that they should not win given their injuries and the the players that are affected. They have to establish the run game early. They have to stick with it no matter what. You have Byron Leftwich has a tendency. He's, he's gotten better lately, but he has a tendency to completely abandon the run altogether as soon as they're down by like seven points. You know, that's when we've seen Jameis chuck the ball 50, 55 times and turn the ball over six times. It's because they only ran the ball seven. Um, you can't have that. You have to you have to stick with the run at some level. And for the Buccaneers, they have to lean on it. So I'm looking to see what Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber can do against a Texans run defense that is not great. If you're going to go out there and you're going to steal this one and beat a team that you probably shouldn't, the way that the two teams are matched up right this moment, then it's going to have to be, you know, taking advantage of the opponent's weakness. And to me, the Texans run defense is the weaker part of their game and they need Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber to do some damage in that category. Well, one of the best linebackers in the league, uh, I don't know if, Cunningham will allow that 133 plus tackle, 130 plus tackles. I think he's at 133 now. <sighs> uh, for sure, a Pro Bowler, and I think he should get some All Pro nods. I'm saying that here on this show. It will be a surprising 
and uh, an uh, interesting matchup to look forward to. All right, gentlemen, it is score prediction time. And since the Bucks are the home team, I'm going to defer to the guests uh, to to make their score predictions first. So how do you guys see this one playing out? I'm going to go a high score game. And I know Jameis doesn't have his, you know, his his targets. But there's something about Jameis right now. Pyramid can still fly. I'm going to go 38-34, Houston. Okay. Damn, that's a pretty high-scoring game. Um, I hate doing predictions because, one, I'm always wrong. Two, the score <laughs> is always completely opposite of what I say. I just want to say 3 nothing, um, just so it could be completely opposite once again. Um, but once again... I've said this a lot, the inconsistencies of the Houston Texans, but having Will Full out there does make a difference. You guys are a top 15 in defense, but I, I but I truly believe, and the Houston Texans should know how important this game is. Basically, if you win this game, sign, seal, deliver, you guys are once again LC South champions. But with all that being said, I'm going to take the Houston Texans over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 21-17. to 17. Yeah, I was thinking about recording this episode all day, and I was like, you know what? This is going to end my streak here of picking the Bucks to win. And I've gone full tilt. I'm going to take the Bucks to steal this one. Mm. I think I think there's a lot of belief in that locker room right now. We're seeing a shift in the way this team views itself. We're seeing a guy like Bruce Arians step up to the podium, and and someone asked him today, you know. How do you feel if if this team finishes with six wins in a row, uh, you know, to end the season? And he interrupted and said, "I'll be pissed that it end the season." You know, they are not laying down. They're not playing for draft picks. They're out there to win. And I think this team can go out on Saturday and do exactly that. Give me the Bucks, twenty seven, twenty four. Sounds like sounds good. I, th- I think you and I. Have a really close competitive game. Oh yeah, abs- absolutely, and and it's going to be. I think it boils all down to what John said. Which which Winston and which Watson are going to be the ones that show up? And I'll just warn you guys right now: if ever if Jameis Winston turns the ball over on that opening Bucks possession, <laughs> Texas fans better not get hype because that just means that they're going to turn around and the Bucks are going to win that game. <laughs> <laughs> it's his good luck interception. It's the ones after that that we get concerned about. You know what uh what sucks for you guys before we get out of here? Uh the fact that the NFC East can make the playoffs. So upsetting. With a 500. Like if you guys were in the NFC East right now, that would be a match uh, a match made in heaven. Yeah, the, the Bucks would be in first place. <laughs> Definitely would be in first place with that abysmal division. I'm just so sick of seeing the Cowboys and the Giants oh, and the Eagles on uh, national uh, primetime games. I'm sick of it. You know, I can't get too upset, though, because I do seem to remember that there was a uh, there was an NFC West team that won the division at 7-9, and nine, and they didn't they beat the Saints, who were like 10-6 and six or 11-5 and five that year? I do remember of- that. Because of Marshawn Lynch and was Cody, am I remembering that right? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. 
I can't recall that I, game. You know what? And I think if I remember that game correctly, I think that run actually jump started the Seahawks. <laughs> was it the Seahawks? I'm, I, it, I think it was. Was it? And they, they broke like the Richter scale for the earthquake or something on the Saints? Uh, Maybe. Man, Maybe. Uh, Maybe that was a part of some other part of history I'm not sure about. Oh, that's harsh. I guess I, I don't remember that game. I just remember <laughs> this year's game. I do remember 30 to 28 first game opening night against the Houston Texans. And I do remember 31 24 against the oh, Tampa wow. Bay Buccaneers. And I do remember 34 17. Against the Buccaneers again, so that—that's what I remember. Oh, he's near memory. You know how this near sighted. Yeah. He's near sighted. He's near memory. <laughs> I mean, I, regular season's regular season, but I mean, I remember you know, turning the ball over in overtime in the ah. NFC Championship. I remember Stefan Diggs. Uh, <laughs> uh, it gets worse. It gets worse. You're right, but I mean, I do remember us still playing and both of you guys sitting at home on the sofa. Uh, well, I mean, I think you know who my favorite team is, Cody. Oh, Lord. So. Yeah, the cheaters. The cheaters. Got caught videotaping again. Who needs to videotape the Bengals? I thought we was trying to make a demo, like a mixtape. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what, sure. Okay, that's the. If I, that's what you guys want to go with, go right ahead. I thought it was a mixtape, James. I don't. I got word straight from Bill. He was trying to lighten up the locker room, heading into the playoffs. He just wanted to make a mixtape of the terrible teams that they had to play this year. I mean, if that was that would have been my off season cut of like, all right, all my coaches sit down. You see this video? This is the Bengals. This is what not to do ever. This is your Watch brain. This video. Don't ever do any of this. It's like a, this, this is your brain. This yes. is your brain on the Bengals. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, it's been a great show. Thank you for uh, participating. One of the best crossovers that we've actually had. Uh, we how Bucks in a four game win streak. We're on a, like a four game crossover excitement streak. We've been having great crossovers ever since the Kansas City Chiefs. So. Um, Thank you for having us on your platform, and thank you for being on ours. Oh, absolutely. It's been an absolute blast, gentlemen. Where can all of our listeners find what you guys are doing about the Texans if they want to dig a little deeper and learn a little bit more about the Bucks' upcoming opponent? Well, you can follow me on Twitter, at some sports guy with two Ys at the end. I write for the Texans Wire. You can also follow the Texans Wire on Twitter and Locked On Texans. Now, disclaimer, my personal page, I talk about sports, I talk about music, and I'm currently dogging out Skylar White. So if you want to see me go on Skylar White rants, follow me on Twitter uh, and have fun. I, I'm just a fun guy. And if you just want to stay up to date on everything football and basketball, especially with the Houston Rockets and UH basketball, please follow me on Twitter, Cody Davis. That's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. All right. And you can check out everything that myself and my co-host David Harrison are doing over at BucksNation.com, part of the SB Nation. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JayArco underscore Bucks. But I won't be tweeting to anybody about anything until Friday. I'm on a full Twitter blackout uh, because I am a Star Wars nerd and I don't want to be spoiled about anything. But you can follow the show at Locked on Bucks. Gentlemen, thank you so much again. Had an absolute blast doing this. I look forward to doing it again, hopefully sooner than later, because if we go by the regular schedule. We won't get to do this for another four years. But <laughs> I don't know. Next year, the year after. 
Bucks Texans Super Bowl matchup. I'd take it. Um, I think we're getting a little bit too far of ourselves right now. You just had to bring it down, didn't you? I'm sorry. You just I'm had to, to bring down the mood. Ah, jeez. Oh, All right. Well, thank you to each and every one of you for hanging out with us right here on Crossover Wednesdays. You are locked on Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.